Good afternoon. Sorry, I was a couple minutes late. I was uh, dealing with the video from this morning and the time got away from me. Um, so we're here for some questions for uh, Joe and his wife. And um, if anyone has anything right off the bat, we can, we can, we can do that. I got a couple email questions um, or text questions that, that, that I've got if, if you want to think about it. But let's open in a word of prayer and uh, we'll get this, uh, this Q&A on the road. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, your word that was preached this morning. We thank you for uh, the application to our lives and, and the importance of, of uh, obeying your command to spread the gospel. And uh, we just thank you for um, letting Joe come and speak with us. We just pray that uh, we'll have a good time of uh, question and answers and that you'll just uh, be with each of us and, and uh, help us all to be in the right, the right mind, the right spirit. Uh, we just pray for uh, the evening service and those that are coming to, to hear that. Just prepare our hearts for that. Uh, we just ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Has anybody got anything right off? Um, we're, gonna, we're trying to record this so that those that aren't here can hear it. So you, you're going to have to, he's got a wireless mic you can use. If someone's up close, I've got a mic we can reach out to you. So um, anyone got anything? I will get started with the, uh, I typed them out and then I walked out and forgot them. So um, that's how things go sometimes. All right. Let's find out. Okay, Joe, this is for you, obviously. Um, if you become our pastor, what are your thoughts on an, on a discipleship program for new believers? So, uh, for a discipleship program, so. Being a master's seminary grad, uh, John MacArthur has written uh, Fundamentals of the Faith, a 13-week lesson plan, um, and that's basic, based for uh, new believers. Now, um, Deb has, both of us have taken the training at Grace Community Church for Fundamental, and that's separate from their, um, from seminary. Right? They, they've been doing that as a church for a long time. Some of you might be familiar with that. Uh, John MacArthur wrote it a while ago, but um, we're familiar with that. That's uh, a basic discipleship program is 13 weeks. Uh, I would prefer that over all other material because it's good and, and I don't have to start from scratch and make one up my own. Um, and, and plus, we've been through the training. Uh, Deb was an assistant teacher for that. Um, and uh, so I would, I would lean on that um, as 13 weeks. It, it covers um, basic, basic doctrines of the faith. Um, so uh, what is salvation, the Trinity, um, nature of Christ, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, evangelism, basic discipleship. So I, I would, I would uh, defer to that um, program. Oh, just to clarify, I was an assistant, not an assistant teacher. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I kind of handled, you know, um, attendance and the, for the lady. So, there, it's like a fill-in-the-blank um, kind of workbook. 
And so I would correct, like, the ladies' homework or, like, reach out to the ladies and in the class um, and kind of, like, handle some more administrative things so that the teacher I was assisting could, you know, focus on preparing the lesson and, and teaching it and grading the, the men's homework. But they did give me an opportunity to practice teaching with a, a small group of women because, you know, you could have an FOF class that's maybe all women. So they gave me a, a chance to practice doing that. But it's, it's pretty tried and true. I've seen, like, people doing it at a sushi restaurant. My coworker, back when I was working, when I was single, my coworker did it with his boss at, like, 9 o'clock at night in the boss's cubicle. I don't think the boss I, – I don't know that the boss has made a profession of faith yet. But, you know, I've seen that workbook at, like, surprising places that you would not expect. I mean, I'd make a comment on it, too. Um, I did that Fundamentals of the Faith for the youth group. It was probably five or six years ago, and it is excellent. It, is, it was great for the youth, just covering all the basics, and uh, I think it is a very good discipleship material. And even more, even if you've been saved for a few years, but you're not so sure on a couple of key doctrines, and you just, it's great. It's, it's not just for, it's great for new believers, but it's great if you've been saved a while and maybe you've gotten rusty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you benefit from it. So the elder at Grace Community Church that, led us through that he had been doing fof for 35 years teaching and he says every class he learns something more even though it's the same material he just learns something more yeah Well, yeah, it, it just depends on whether or not to do FOF on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Um, so typically you want to start a class, like kind of like a small group. Um, you can do it. I've seen it done in a whole adult Sunday school class. Um, so the, the church we're at, with, we're at now, um, our senior pastor, when he first took over the church, um, I think they were hovering probably around... 50 people or so I'm not exactly sure but he did the whole he started the program and just took the whole adult Sunday school class through it he did it and then someone took over after him and then they they would teach the class and it, it now it's, it's like a kind of like a small group Bible study Sunday school so anywhere from like five to ten people but you can do one-on-one -on -one, um, if there is a new believer um, so Say, you know, someone comes to the church, they get saved. Um, yeah, yeah, if they're the only one that wants to do it. Now, I wouldn't press it on anybody like, you know, hey, we're all doing FOF. <laughs> you know? um, uh, but I think if, if there's one person comes, they get saved and no one else is doing it. And I would probably disciple them through or have one of the deacons take them through that class. Questions yet? All right. 
Okay, there's one other one that is kind of uh, kind of be with the deacon pastor thing, but uh, would you consider changing the age the aging out age in our children's church to be through the fifth or sixth grade? Right now, it's through the third grade. Oh, so for junior church. So so that means like like the morning worship. Right. So. Um, they're allowed to come until the they're allowed to go till the third grade. They come until just like just after like if we have special music. Uh, then after the special music, they would go out and they'd have a, a separate lesson. Um, yeah. Uh, so one thing I don't want to do is say, you know, make a make a law where okay, you must take your kids <laughs> to. To Sunday school. That, that's no. If you, if a parent wants to bring their child, whatever age, to the worship service, then that's on the parent. However, there is the the principle of we want to um, limit the distractions. You know, and we all, you know, most of you have had children, and you know how, and especially little ones, and, and so. Um, children's ministry. I believe in children's ministry um, wholeheartedly. I, I am against. So I, I don't know if you you are all familiar with the family integrated church model. So um, there's been some some good things that that movement has brought up, but I reject that movement as a whole. And the basis for that movement is that. Families should be in church, that, that um, parents should disciple their kids and they should bring their kids to church. And, and any church that does children's ministry is, is also, um, in a way, circumventing the parents. And it's on the parents to disciple their kids. Now, I see children's ministry as a way to support the, the parents and to come alongside the parents. And, and children's ministry has so many benefits. Um, most people who um, teach, like teach Sunday school or even preachers, they learn to teach in Sunday school in children's. They, they learn in children. Children's ministry is it's not just for the children. It's for the, the teachers. It's for you learn how to disciple. You learn how to teach. And so it has so many other benefits than just you know, getting the kids out of the worship service so they're not a distraction. <laughs> I mean, that, that, is, that is a benefit, but that's not the sole purpose for it. And so you, you have to have that balance where, okay, we're not going to make a law where, okay, if your children, your children are these ages, then they must leave. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Um, however, um, I don't, I, 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 I do support children's ministry and, and I, I would support a nursery you know there, there's reasons for nursery there's reasons for children's ministry but I, I don't want to make the hard rules of at this age you know you must leave the sanctuary <laughs> or but you know they have it if they want if they want to go they can go and they yeah stay, yeah they, they can, can go and, and we would encourage that and, and yeah if 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 some also, you know, if a parent comes in and their child is just wild 
<laughs> and it's for most of us as been parents, it's happened to all of us, and we understand. And so, you know, there is a sense that um, we want to show grace, but there's also a sense that, hey, we have worship service. So, hey, you know, gently or in a way, hey, um, we have a children's ministry. We have a nursery. Um, so, you know, yeah. I think the question was more on the lines of would you raise the age limit for for the junior church, for our children's ministry? Because right now, how old's your son? Eight. Eight. Going into third grade. Going into third grade. Just finished second grade. grade. Yeah, so he would get to attend, but then he wouldn't after that. He has to come in here. Oh, oh, say adding another class is what you're saying. Yeah, or just... Or, Or just increasing that... But you're getting into a, a, a wide yeah. age range. Yeah. Wide, you might have to make another a second class. I know. But yeah. so, I so, lost my grandson yeah. because he, I just got, finally got him to come here. Yeah. And he aged out, and he was asked to kindly come back in here. Yeah. And he never he, – Yeah, I, I, so, so I, I agree with you. I, I don't want to make those hard and fast rules um, because – there's always extenuating circumstances, and especially in a smaller church where you don't have a lot of children, and there's those, you just don't have the clear-cut age groups of, you know, because there's not a lot of children. So there's going to be those children that kind of cross over, um, you know, and, and don't, and well, we don't have enough fifth and sixth graders, or we don't have enough third and fourth graders, or whatever. So there's no class for that. So you're either in the lower class or you're in the higher class. So I, I think we can make those adjustments, and, and I think it's good to make those adjustments. But then there, there's also a sense, and we might not have it. You might not have it here in this church, but I've seen this in almost every church I've been a part of, is the special needs kids, and there's always that family comes in, they have an autistic child or they have a special needs child and um, their development is way lower and yes, even though they're older you know, if they work well in a younger class or whatever we can do to accommodate that kid and that family, we should do it. So, yeah. And as someone who teaches, is this on? Okay. And as someone who teaches in children's church, um, we do a specific lesson plan from Answers in Genesis, yeah. which we go through and follow. Um, the thing I like to look at it also is even, and, and just looking back with Pastor Cunin, even a fourth or fifth grader might not really catch a lot of what he's preaching about because he's preaching more to the adults, to the older people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a, a fourth grader may just spend the time sitting there thinking about what they're going to do when they get mm-hmm. Well, this way we can, as a children's church ministry, we know we can adjust. If I know I've only got third and fourth graders, I can adjust the lesson to a third and fourth grade level, as opposed to if we've got kindergarten through... So that's one thing, personally, I would like to see it also allow it to be, not, not the hard and fast saying you must, but allow it to be bumped up. Because 
there may be some fifth graders that would be better to sit in a normal service and listen to a pastor, just like there'd be ones that would be better sitting off. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with that. I, I would, you know, with children's ministry, I, I, I believe you should expand as many grade levels and classrooms as we can, um, but at the same time not make it you must go to, you know, children's ministry. You know, if, if a family, the parents feel like, okay, my, my third or fourth grader, we want them in the worship service. Okay, I'll leave that up to the parents to decide. As long as they're, they're not a distraction, you know, whatever. You know, you decide how you're going to disciple your child. Um, but we have a children's ministry um, to come alongside you in the discipleship of your child. And I would go as far as, you know, establishing, you know, 7th and 8th grade, junior high, high school, um, you know, and have those age-specific um, Sunday school classes if you have the kids, you know. Yeah. I think Tom had a question. My question is, and I, I believe I can say that I, I know the answer, but I, I'd like for this group to, to hear the answer and uh, we'll have it on a record and so forth. But have you and Debbie prayerfully considered that you are now ready, you and your family, are ready to take the responsibility of being the super shepherd, I'll use that word, of a group of people. Yes. Now, um, that being said, <laughs> there's, there's always, no one knows all the details of the future. You know, and, and there's always problems every, you know, I, I'm a, <laughs> The past couple years have been a chaplain in military and in hospice, and I, I meet people and I say, you know, everybody has a family, and every family has issues. <laughs> and the same is true about a church, and, and more so, you know, because problems come up and, and you take them as they come. And we're growing as a family too. Sure. You know, so I mean, we're our oldest is eight, <laughs> so you know, we've never had teenagers. <laughs> so, but. <laughs> But, yeah, <laughs> but, but we'll navigate those waters when we get to them, and God will give the grace, you know, and so we, we take each trial as it comes. Um, you know, we can't, we can't prepare in advance for everything that's going to come our way, but um, I believe, you know, I, I, I went to seminary. I was ordained. You know, I've, I've had have some ministry experience. I've been affirmed by several pastors and, and uh, churches, so, um, you know, I have to trust them and trust their judgment um, because even our own judgment is uh, subjective, you know, and, and ultimately I have to trust God, you know. So. I have a question for us as a church. Church, are we willing to 
take and play our part in the support of Joe and Debbie as our leader, as our pastor. Are we willing to support them so that as a, as a team, we can make an impact on this community and in other places that we aren't even aware of yet that we will be equipped to as a church and as individuals to follow basically what he talked about this morning to follow God's leading to win souls to Christ May we be supple, but also may we be firm in our relationships with each other so that, as I mentioned, we're, we're a team. It's not one against the other, and it's not, well, he's the leader and we're always the subservients, but we're a team. And this couple here will stand in that pulpit up there and wherever else we gather and we will stand with them so that's something just we can't go around I'm not going to say can you, can you, can you, can you, can you but it's something that we need to consider as a church when we get ready to make some, some very important decisions yeah, and I'd like to add to that. You know, one of the most critical aspects of church is unity and being unified. And that doesn't mean you don't have your disagreements or your opinions or, you know, um, you know, different beliefs on, on other things. Um, but you agree on the main things, the most important things, uh, Scripture, and, and that we're going to follow Scripture, and we're going to submit to that. And, and even, you know, every, every pastor is, you know, they're not the supreme authority. <laughs> Their authority only goes so far as Scripture, and, and they're an under-shepherd. Right. They're not the chief shepherd. They're just to point the people to Christ and to follow Christ. And, you know, we're, we're, we're um, you know, we have to submit to the same commands for a believer as, as anybody else. Good. And there will be some... Uh, sometime, if it comes together in the Lord's will, that we have to get to know each other. Oh, yeah. And there will be things that we say, well, I wonder what he meant by that, you know. And he'll be mm -hmm. saying to us, I wonder what he or she meant by that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but may we have an openness yeah. Yeah. to ask mm -hmm. each other questions yeah. that what we'll do, it will do is solidify us. Mm -hmm. As a as a one group. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Anyone else? I'd like to ask um, if you have both read our Constitution and doctrinal statement and are in agreement with it. I have, and I can say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Make a note to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes with three little ones, I got to do my reading. 
late at night or <laughs> during nap time. Yeah, that we I have did. been through a time when a pastor said he did, and we learned that he did not. Yeah. And so it was a difficult time. Yeah. And that's why, you know, before we decide, we need to, mm-hmm. like, be on the same page. Yeah. You yeah. know. Yep. And uh, so that's really important yeah. to me. Yeah. Any other question? I'll get one off. I got another one off of text to me. Um, there were two or three that responded that asked this question about uh, uh, I want to paraphrase it. Um, taking notes and things, uh, they feel that they're missing stuff that you're talking about because okay. they've heard you twice. Um, and they've got kind of used to how pastor would just put an outline up and then we'd have a bulletin insert where we would just fill in, fill in blanks during the sermon and they wouldn't have to take notes as, as much. Okay. They just, just a couple said they were having trouble following because they're writing and they're, they're missing what you're saying because they're taking notes. Okay. So would okay. you be opposed to, to, to do, just do it? We don't want, you know, we're not asking for fancy pictures or just, he just put point and okay. just, just point, point, point and, and followed, that's, and okay. followed along. Just, just the, main, the yeah. main outline yep. and then fill yep. in the blank. Okay. I can do that. Okay. I can do that. Well, we're trying to get everything recorded, so that's why we're. No problem, not a problem. Uh, no, I, just it was just just to go along with that. I mean, just the, the thing that I noticed just personally myself was just the, and I like the fact that you do have you know you're bringing Old Testament and New Testament in there, um, but it was the fact that. Um, at least the addresses of where you're going to be, because it's like I, I know that like like okay we're back here and I'm trying to go ahead and keep track of writing down uh, you know something in something in like the Old Testament or whatever, and then all of a sudden you're, you were in the New Testament and like okay I missed that, so I'm like I, now I don't know where he's at, so it's, you know to catch up. But if you had even if you just had those posted up there yeah, somewhere yeah. or in a note yeah. or something, that's that's just yeah, personally. Yeah, and, and I understand every preacher has their style. Um, we have. Our pastor has so many cross-references, we can't, like, you know, you, you can't get them all down. We, we, just, we just listen, you know, to the podcast later in the week, and, you know, I, I understand. Um, there's, there's certain preachers that, um, you know, I would say are good Bible preachers, but uh, for some reason, maybe something about their, the way they speak or their quirks, I don't like to listen to them, but I would, I would still commend them to other people. So every preacher has their style and stuff. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll work to try to accommodate, you know, you guys. Just to add on to that, if it, if we could have chapter and verse, we are used to using our Bibles during the service Yeah. and going to that passage. So, and some of us are older yeah, yeah. And okay. quite a few people in here do not hear very well. Okay, okay. And, and so it takes longer. Okay. You know, and, um, but that way, because we're used to following along. Yeah. When you, you give a cross-reference, we like to know. Okay. To turn to it. Yeah. You know, and read yeah. it along with you. 
Okay. Okay. It helps to may help you understand. Yeah. And the seeing it yeah. in print helps me remember. Yeah. Yeah. You know, rather than just the ear. Yeah. Through the ear. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I understand. And, and you know, I'm gonna grow as a preacher. <laughs> it's just gonna you know. And if I do come here, there's there's going to be that time for me to settle into a routine of sermon prep, and, and you're going to see um, growth. Um, you're going to see some some change. It just it's just a natural, you know. Any teacher, you know, uh, Sunday school or whatever, they do it for a while. You're going to see some growth and some change. So, yeah. Well, I for one can hear you, and I love that. <laughs> Did that cover the, uh, the the PowerPoint and the notes things and all? Did that cover everything? Okay. All right. Does anyone else have a question for Joe or Deb? Actually, this one is from Stacy, who right now is probably right over the North Carolina South Carolina border. So, um, on a more normal aspect, she wanted to know. Uh, first of all, Deb, were you born in the States, and have you spent any time in other countries? And then for both of you, how did you meet? <laughs> um, yeah, so I was born in Singapore. My mom is from Singapore, and my dad is from Taiwan, but they're both Chinese. I know might sound kind of confusing. There's just Chinese people all over. I think it's like a quarter of the world population or something. Um, so I was born in Singapore. I think my parents at the time were doing ministry in Taiwan, but my mom is a Singapore citizen. And I actually found out that I'm still a Singapore citizen. Um, and citizen ha citizenship has its benefits. So Joe's like, just, just keep that just in case. <laughs> the U.S. goes crazy or something. Um, but anyways, she's a Singapore citizen, so she was able to give birth for free in Singapore. So she, like, flew over to, to give birth. <laughs> I mean, it's expensive, so. Um, and then I lived, I think, a few months in Taiwan as a baby, but came to the U.S. before I was one year old. Um, and lived in L.A. almost all my life. Except second to fourth grade, um, because of ministry, again, I lived in Singapore from second grade to fourth grade. And that was kind of an adjustment, more so for my brother, who's five and a half years older than me. I think as a second grader, it was not as hard. But I was, like, super behind in Chinese class. I mean, I speak it at home, which is kind of like the things you would say at home. Like, I don't know. 
I'm gonna heat this up in the microwave. I always use that as an example. Or, you know, I'm gonna go to the garage or, you know, like things you would say at home. Um, but yeah, whew, those Chinese glasses. <laughs> I was desperate, I was like, I don't know what's going on. I, can, I, I don't think I can read or write. But at that age, you know, you just, you're better at languages and eventually I caught up. But anyways, fourth grade, I came back to the, at, at, I think at the end of fourth grade. I came back to the U.S. Um, but yeah, my mom, her first language is actually English. So Singapore was a British colony for a long time. So that's kind of a surprising thing. Like my cousins in Singapore would speak English at home, and I live in the U.S., and I would speak some Chinese, some English at home. And I'm like, this is so weird. Like, you guys live in Asia, and you speak English at home, like, all the time? But yeah, anyway, so... My mom's first language is English, and then my dad's first language is Mandarin Chinese. But they helped each other. They, my mom's Chinese improved. My dad's English improved. They really, you know, kind of helped each other with that. But anyways, so, um, but yeah, I lived in L.A. until we moved to Bakersfield about five years ago. Um, culturally, you might see some... Asian-ness, I think he sees them. There's, we have some cultural differences, but I'm, I'm pretty Americanized. Yeah. I, you know, the cuisine that, you know, Chinese food is still, you know, probably my comfort food, you know, noodles and fried rice. And, and my children, my, my parents have gotten my children to, to like, Asian food. They, they ask for it sometimes. <laughs> But we both like Thai.